You're listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with host James Grandy and John and Pemba. What's going on, everybody? Happy Week 8, and welcome to the Fantasy Alarm NFL DFS Podcast. Along with me is John and Pemba. I am James Grande. John, filling in for Howard this week. Um, happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. What's going on? How are you feeling about week eight? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, a little re- role reversal. You're in the role of myself, and I'm in the role of our Bender today. I'm doing the analysis. You're leading. I get to sit back, relax, let you do all the work. And we go over this week eight slate of games. It's a it's a pretty solid one here where we don't really have to worry about some of the, the powerhouse offenses. We don't have the Chiefs on this slate. We don't have the Cowboys. We don't have the Vikings. So I think it allows us to get a little a little creative, I think, with how we're going to build our lineups this week. Yeah, the Chiefs get to beat my Giants to a pulp on Monday night, so I'm looking forward to that a lot. But uh, yeah, let's dive in, John. Um, 13 games, some notice, some noteworthy totals that are not on the main slate. I feel like all the the two biggest totals of the of the week are Monday night football, Sunday night football, Tennessee, uh, Indianapolis, 51, Green Bay. That was Thursday night. One total I see over 50 right now. Is that? That's what I'm looking at on my sports book over on DraftKings Sportsbook. So not a lot of high totals. What is your thoughts on that? On the big, I guess Tampa Bay, New Orleans at 15 and a half currently. So what are your thoughts on a lot of low totals coming into this week? Yeah, I mean, I think again, a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with sort of the uh, the fact that those higher power offenses are are not on this slate. We've also seen some really bad quarterback out of the majority of these teams this year as well. If you have bad quarterback play, odds are you aren't going to be scoring a lot of points. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it kind of maybe puts a focus on some of those higher scoring games, but then you're also looking at the point spreads in those higher scoring games. Right now, the Rams are 16 point favorites <laughs> over the Texans. You have Buffalo, 14 point favorites over Miami. Those are games that have 48, 48 and a half, 46 and a half point total. So you're, you're really trying to look in and find those closer game, higher point total matchups. Like you mentioned, you have New England versus the Chargers. They're 49 and a half. The Chargers give them four and a half, but Austin Eckler may not play in this game. So you wonder if that's going to end the point spread. You have Tampa Bay, New Orleans, 49 and a half there. Saints are four and a half, but no Antonio Brown. We don't know if Gronk's going to play. Mike Evans, Marshall Lattimore matchup. It feels like the, excuse me, that the under may be more likely to come in uh, there as well. So, you know, this could just be one of those lower scoring weeks that we're going to deal with this season. I mean, of course, you mentioned off the top, the first game, the one o'clock game, Tennessee versus the uh, Colts, 51 games, two, two and a half point spread. You know, that could be one that a lot of people are targeting. Yeah, and you mentioned quarterbacks somewhere in there, and I think that's a perfect segue into our position-by-position position breakdown, starting at the quarterback position, where we have six, we're looking at DraftKings scoring, of course, six names above 7K, one above 8K, and that's Josh Allen. But like you mentioned, 14-point spread in that game, Buffalo favored at home. I mean, if we're not spending on Allen, you may. But of these six guys over 7K, and Allen, Stafford, Brady, Herbert, Hertz, Burrow, that's in order of price from highest to lowest. Who do you who do you like in this top tier, John? Yeah, I mean, I, truthfully, I think of those top quarterbacks, Allen and, and maybe Hertz are 
maybe the the safest when it comes to the scoring. I mean, Agreed. you know, Josh Allen, they love throwing the football in Buffalo. It's not often that they feature their running backs. If you look at Stafford, Brady, Herbert, and Pending, and Burrow, they have running backs that can run the ball into the end zone and take away some of that production when we're looking at high-scoring contests. The Buffalo Bills, when they score, it's Josh Allen. It's whether Josh right. Allen is running or if it's Josh Allen is throwing. Now, I say that with like the, the slight caveat of in this matchup earlier this season, Buffalo was in Miami. They won 35 to nothing, and Zach Moss had two rushing touchdowns in that game. A total anomaly because we haven't really seen Moss really be that uh, impactful when it comes to rushing touchdowns this season. In fact, he only has four uh, rushing touchdowns on the year, or sorry, four total touchdowns on the year. Two of those four came in that week two matchup against Miami. Uh, he only has one other rushing touchdown since. So odds are if they're putting up 30 plus points and they're winning by two touchdowns, that's coming by the way of the arm of Josh Allen. And I wrote in the quarterback coach this week, a trend that I've seen this year is that the top price quarterback on these slates Hasn't had a lot of ownership to them. Patrick Mahomes, though, it didn't work out last week, was like 6%. We've seen Kyler Murray at lower ownership this season as well. A lot of people like to settle in, I think, to that mid-tier, that 7K range. And and someone like Allen may actually go overlooked. So uh, I have Allen as the cover of the quarterback. I love He's the top quarterback on the quarterback coaches. Somebody else put uh, Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback (laughs) cover uh, of the quarterback coach this week. Not that I don't take away from Lawrence. I think there's some value there, and we'll touch upon that. Uh, but Allen, for me, is my top guy because I think he is as locked into those fantasy points. Matt Stafford obviously has looked great. Him and Cooper Cup have connected. Cup is $9,000, though. So if we're looking at stacking Stafford this week, it's an expensive stack. It's a 16-point spread. And I've said in the last couple of weeks, you know, he needs to be the one to score. It can't be Daryl Henderson or else he's not going to hit value. Now, he has given us that seven touchdowns over the last two weeks, 26 and 30 fantasy points against the Giants in Detroit. So... The production has come from him, but if this ends up being a week or two of those touchdowns go to Henderson, $7,600, Matt Stafford is giving you 20 fantasy points. That's not really what you're paying for. So I think there's a lot of great guys in this op- in this tier. Brady's probably my only fade. You look at his road stats, they, they really haven't been great. He's only got three passing touchdowns on the road this year. He's got 18 at home. His quarterback rating is just 93 on the road. We talked about already, no Antonio Brown, maybe no Gronkowski. And Lattimore is actually you know, handled Mike Evans pretty well in their past meeting. So I, I wonder a little bit if Brady's going to be hampered. So Brady's probably only fade in this group. Herbert becomes a lot more interesting, I think, if Eckler's ruled out, you know, missing the last couple of days of practice due to a hip injury. You know, while Eckler is a huge part of the team's passing attack, putting in a round tree or a Kelly or a Jackson is not the same. I think the workload would, uh, of this offense would go right back on the arm of Herbert throwing to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Cook, Guyton, maybe even. So Brady's the only fade. Allen's my top guy, I think, for contrarians. I think the chalk, though, you're going to look at Joe Burrow here against the against – the, you've seen him throw for over 400 yards last week against Baltimore. Him and Jamar Chase are just absolutely lighting it up right now. You see the matchup against the Jets. This is another game where we're looking at a point spread that's 11. It's a 43 over-under, but most of that is because they don't think the Jets are going to score. They think the majority of these points are coming by the way of Cincinnati. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to see that $7,100 for Burrow and just bite in. Uh, again, my one worry would potentially be the Jets allowed four rushing touchdowns <laughs> last week to the New England Patriots. Joe Mixon could very easily be the one punching in those points. So I think the chalk is going to be Burrow. I think Allen's a top price contrarian play. And Herbert and Hurts are two guys that I think kind of fit in the middle of that. Jalen Hurts, a terrible real-life quarterback. But James, he is the sixth highest 
fantasy points per game at the quarterback position on this slate, but he's the fifth highest, sorry, the third highest fantasy points per game as a quarterback on the slate, but he's the fifth highest priced quarterback and he's getting Detroit. So I think there could be some sneaky value there as well. Yeah, the I've tweeted it. I think it's been a, a topic of discussion. Uh, also, not a big fan of those saying that Jalen Hurts doesn't have weapons. They've uh, heavily invested in weapons over the last two years in the draft class. So I don't want to hear that BS They've anymore. Iced out Jalen Rieger for whatever reason. Iced out. Iced out. A first round pick from a year ago, and and people are still claiming that he does not have weapons. It's they BS. like Wes Watkins more than him. That's wonderful. Let's move down to the next tier where I think things get pretty interesting. We have Ryan Tannehill at this tier. We have Carson Wentz also at this tier going against one another. We mentioned that they are currently both there's in a 51 game total against one another two porous defenses do you lean either way do you have interest in both one neither how do you like Tannehill versus Wentz this week yeah I'm I'm kind of torn with the Tannehill thing because I don't actually want to play him but I want all of AJ <laughs> Brown I think AJ Brown is in a fantastic spot so I'm like well if AJ Brown goes for like 150 and two scores that's all coming from Tannehill right Correlation, John. Correlation. You I know. know. I know. So, like, I worry a little bit. The problem is there's no Julio Jones now. Already ruled out. We know right. they're going to go run heavy with Derrick Henry as well. Tannehill was fortunate. The last two weeks, he ran for touchdowns. Now, last year, I think he had seven rushing touchdowns to the frustration of all Derrick Henry fantasy managers. You know, the last two weeks, now Tannehill running in again. You know, so he has that potential. But the 20 fantasy points he scored last week, just the second time all year, He's top 20 fantasy points, 6,600. You know, that just feels like too much. You know, if I'm going to pay 66, I might as well just find the money to go get a burrow or something like that. But truthfully, I, I think I'm leaning the Wentz, and I'm leaning Wentz for the stackability. I want to play Adrian Brown. You talk about the correlation. Well, Carson Wentz is 5,700. Michael Pittman is 53. And if T.Y. Hilton plays, he's 49. So, like, there's your correlation. There's your comeback if your game stack in the 51-point total. So, yeah, if I like it, probably going to go Wentz in that matchup against Tennessee. Just above him, though, I mean, listen, Matt Ryan right now, also another guy that's kind of rolling. Right. You look at his touchdowns lately. Over the last three weeks, uh, he has eight passing touchdowns. He's got at least two touchdowns in every week except week one. He has 20 or more fantasy points in four of the last five weeks. And he's just $5,900 and this is the guy whose top receiver, Calvin Ridley, is only priced out at 6,600. Kyle Pitts is the top priced tight end this week at 63. Uh, and then who can forget about Cordero Patterson, the new running back there in, in Atlanta. Uh, also pseudo wide receiver, also priced at 6,200. So you know, I don't think much of the Carolina Panthers defense, I've kind of said that on this podcast all right. season long. I think they're a bit of a mirage. And Ryan at home, he's kind of cooking right now. And while well, everybody thinks Matt Ryan is kind of a, maybe a bad quarterback or this offense isn't very good. At the end of the day, Matt Ryan is always getting you the fantasy production you need, regardless of how he looks for the first three and a half quarters. A la Jalen Hurts, huh? Also, Cordero Patterson, he's a rookie, right? First year in the in the league? I think so. Oh, yeah, me too. We, we do have to talk about one more guy. I think looking at your QB coach, that's about where the exposure to the quarterback position dries up. He's actually the cover boy. He actually also made my... Yahoo Value Vault, and that's Trevor Lawrence going into Seattle to face the Geno Smith-led Seahawks. Talk to me about Lawrence, John. Why do you like, and what kind of exposure are you going to get to Lawrence? Tournaments, cash games, what are, what are we feeling for Lawrence this week? Yeah, shout out to noted Jaguars fan Justin Breeland, who I think posted the quarterback coach this week and threw this 
pretty boy on the cover. Yeah, 5500 bucks. I mean, listen, we're just looking at dark throws here. Seattle, we know how bad their defense is. They're struggling really on both sides of the football. And, and what I think is interesting about Lawrence is actually his mobility. And I wrote this up in the quarterback coach. You know, yet last last game against Miami, he only had two carries for 11 yards, but seven for 28, eight for 36, six for 27. Like the fact that he's giving you 30, 30 40-ish yards, and he also has two rushing touchdowns uh, in the last three weeks as well, it, it kind of saves his fantasy production and helps you when he turns the football over because he does have eight interceptions on the season. But this offense, I still still looking maybe for a little bit of an identity. They like to run the football with Robinson, but. Yeah, I'm looking at this matchup against Seattle, and I could see maybe one of his better passing days coming. Marvin Jones had a really big game against Miami and London. They have LaVisca Schnalto at 10 targets last week. I mean, there's a few more value guys that we'll touch upon as we move across positions. But if you're just really looking for that, like, dirty, cheap stack this week, you know, go at Lawrence, 5,500, and then you're just paying up for everybody else. And uh, someone you can pay up for as we shift our focus to the running back position. Actually, two names here, John. Two names over 8K, two names that will be heavily used in their respective offenses. Derek Henry, he's pretty good. And then Alvin Kamara, uh, also quite good now that he's once again heavily involved in the passing game. Do you have a lean either way? Do you want to try to fit both? Like, what's your what's your take on this? the top of the running back position? Because I know... I think we all know, like, it's basically plug-and-play Derrick Henry, but Kamara's interesting considering it's Tampa Bay, and we know you can't run on Tampa Bay, but it's not like he ran very great last week, but he had 11 targets and 10 receptions. What are your What's your take on Henry and Kamara here at the top? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really what it is, too. So, I I mean, listen, Derrick Henry, the, the, the carry volume here is just absurd, right? Yeah, 28, 33, 29, 20, before getting shut out last week, and against Kansas City. Surprisingly, in a game they won 27-3, he had no touchdowns, but he had three rushing touchdowns in the two weeks prior, in each of the two weeks prior. So the man, of course, is a staple. He's probably 100% in your cash game lineups this week. I think the lack of Julio Jones and maybe this matchup against against the, the Colts also, you know, maybe leads to him finding the end zone this week. I'm, I'm hopeful. They should be giving him the football in the red zone. It's frustrating when, of course, you see Ryan Tannehill punch two in from the one because those should be Derrick Henry scores. But the target, the, the carry volume is crazy. In this matchup in week three, he had 28 carries for 113 yards. One of those few games where he didn't actually score in this one, but I, I could see that changing. So, yeah, listen, he's going to be popular. I, I, I actually find that this is a week where you don't really need to spend all the way up. But I think in cash games, Henry works. And if you want to be contrarian in your GPP, you, know, you mentioned that it's difficult to run against Tampa Bay, but Khalil Herbert ran for 100 yards against them last week. And then if you want to go back to, I think, what was week five, Miles Gaskins had 10 catches against this Tampa right. Bay defense. So, you know, if, if anybody is capable of putting up pretty good numbers, you know, it, it, across the board, it's an Alvin Kamara against this Tampa Bay defense. So while I don't love it, I don't think this is a great spot. If he's going to get, you know, he has 19 targets over the last two weeks. If they finally decided, hey, we should be throwing him. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a surprise. They lose to the Giants there, and he has zero targets. So the next two weeks, he has 19, and they win both games. So unlock the key to success there. Get the ball in your best player's hand. You wouldn't think it's a difficult equation to solve in the NFL, but you'd be surprised. Uh, and they're doing that with Alvin Kamara. So I don't mind him. I think he's a good pivot from, from Derrick Henry. But I kind of link your living in this like 7K tier and and below it. And, and there's a few guys there that I'm looking at. Just a note on the Tampa Bay defense. 
You mentioned the Miles Gaskin 10 reception game. They've allowed the second most receptions to running backs this year. Only one behind Cincinnati. So they are, and I'm pretty sure it was status quo last year too. Tampa Bay allowed, because nobody can run on them. So why not try to just get your running back the ball any way they can? So just an interesting little uh, nugget there. But so we are talking about the mid-tier then, since we're moving on from the top of the food chain. Who do you like? Do we like Jonathan Taylor? Do we Najee Harris and all the goodness there? DeAndre Swift is in a really tasty spot here. How, how are we approaching this mid-tier, John? Yeah, so I said on the Fantasy Alarm show at Adam Ronis on Friday that I think DeAndre Swift is my guy to play this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think this might actually be the first week that Detroit wins a football game. I, I think Detroit is... Wow. They've been playing some close games. Philadelphia hasn't looked great. They're not good on the defensive side of the football either. And Swift is just an absolute monster in the passing game. And from a touchdown perspective, he's a guy that's scored now in three straight weeks. He's got touchdowns in four or five. And while the carry volume hasn't been there, that's something that's been sort of a kind of like a deterrent for people when they talk about it. Like, oh, he doesn't really get a lot of carry volume. It's because they're always playing from behind. So then you look at his targets, 10, 7, 6, 6, 7, 5, 11, right? Like, the man is a PPR monster, and we're talking about DraftKings, which is a PPR format. Think of everything we like about Alvin Kamara, and then you have DeAndre Swift, right? Like, the in terms of target volume and then carry volume, like, they're similar. We're just not getting the full-on production because it's Detroit. It's not New Orleans. But I think this is a matchup against Philadelphia, a team that really struggles against the run. Um that Swift could could really break out at $7,100. It's a big price bump. He was only 6K last week, 63 the week before that. So the DraftKings is smart. Their algorithms are working in overdrive here. They're like, oh, home versus bad Philly team. This is the spot to use them in. So for me, I love Swift. Same thing with Jonathan Taylor. Finally getting the usage that he deserves. They had no choice but to run him, obviously, last week in the 40-mile-an-hour wins. But 18 for 107 in a score. 14 for 145 and two scores before that. A tough matchup against Baltimore, but he made it with a 76-yard touchdown catch in that game against Miami, 16 for 103. I'm hoping they figured out the answer here, and that's give Jonathan Taylor the football. We saw them do that a lot to end last season. The the Colts offense is getting healthier, so I definitely think Jonathan Taylor is a really strong point. And again, this mid-tier and running back I think is interesting because I, I don't really know if we're spending all the way up across the board this week so i mean you mentioned Najee harris i think he's a good pivot off all of them he's a little bit more expensive but another guy that just is volume 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 24 25 21 31 fantasy points the last four weeks like you can't we can't really turn that back turn that back so those guys are great and like i said i i don't mean i don't want to talk about like literally every player but there's a run of running backs here that i could see a package of like Two of these guys going for like 25 to 30, whether it's Joe Mixon, as we mentioned, four rushing touchdowns given up by the Jets last week. James Robinson against Seattle. If you're looking at DraftKings scoring, it says Seattle's like the second worst scoring wise against opposing running backs. And this dude uh, has another one that's giving you pretty much 20 plus fantasy points now for four straight weeks. We talked about Henderson already. Damian Harris has three straight games with touchdowns, four touchdowns in three weeks, back-to-back 100-yard games for Harris at 6,100. Like this, this just... There's just so many running backs this week, James. It's going to be pretty interesting to see the way, which way they go. And we haven't even talked about value yet. We've only talked about the mid-tier. Yeah, to do the Damian Harris point as well, I know you'll like this. The Los Angeles Chargers are dead last in run DVOA this year by a very wide margin. They are the worst run defense. According to Rush DVOA, 
in the league. So get your third straight 100-yard game for Damian Harris ready. John, I want to ask you about a guy. And he actually is in Justin Vreeland, who does a great job with the running back coach. He's actually in his fade category. But we got a very good turn of events today. For Antonio Gibson, who we are recording on Friday, he was a full participant in practice for the first time all week and is removed from the injury report. And generally, you would think Denver, tough run defense. They're 26th this year in rush DVOA. Dernis Johnson just lit him up. Just lit him up. What are your thoughts? I mean, this is the first time we've seen in quite a while that the shin is apparently not going to play a factor in Antonio Gibson's day. Does this, he's 5,700. This is a guy we were, we saw earlier in the year up to 6,500. Any interest in Gibson at 57? I mean, I, Adam Ronis was telling me on this earlier on the Fantasy Alarm show on Friday as well because he is supposedly off the injury report. I don't understand it, though, right? Like, the shin, the stress fracture of the shin <laughs> didn't just heal. I've said all along, I've said this on the Alarm After Hours show with Justin Fensterman, this is a pain tolerance injury. I'm happy that Gibson was able to go through practice and he's off the injury report somehow. I don't, again, I don't fully understand how he's off an injury report. There, I don't think, I, I just don't know. I just don't trust it. I also don't think, I also am questionable whether or not Washington is going to be ahead in this game. And if they're behind, are they even going to run the football enough with Gibson? So, you know, he's a fade for me still, uh, even in Vreeland's fade section as well. Because of sort of where he's priced, I understand the value, perceived value given past costs. But below him, guys like Khalil Herbert, we saw solidify i think what his role is in this mm-hmm. offense even with damian williams back last week he had 18 for 100 against a tough tampa team right but more importantly he had five catches on five targets i thought damian williams was going to come back in this offense and maybe be that pass catching back and herbert had five targets now i don't want anything to do really with the chicago passing offense i think they're realizing they can't do anything with their passing offense either and Herbert has proven capable of running the football pretty effectively. And he's going to go up against the San Francisco defense, which isn't that great against the run either. We just saw Taylor run for 100 against them. And then the same price, same matchup, flip side, Eli Mitchell, same thing. Jermichael Hasty came back. People were wondering, all right, Mitchell's first game back as well. Like, what's the split going to look like here? Dominated the carries. Dominated the carries. 18 for 107 in a score. Literally the same thing he was doing before the injury in week five when he had 19 and 17 carries in weeks one and two. Yeah, he's the lead back in this offense, and you're running against Chicago. We saw Fournette have a good game the other day as well. So, like, both of those guys at 5,400, I would play them both. I don't think this isn't supposed to be a high-scoring game. It's 39 and a half points. I think it's 39 and a half points because these guys' teams are going to be running the football a ton with these two guys right here. So, if they score at all, it's going to be from them most likely. Uh, maybe a, maybe a receiver that we'll talk about in a moment as well on the San Francisco side. But you know, for me, th- those are the value running backs that I think are, are more likely going to be on the radar. Another value running back potential. Any interest in Kenneth Gainwell? Yeah, a little bit. But this is a you know a popular question in our Discord on Twitter this week. You know, it's oh, Miles Sanders on IR. Who do I start this week? Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. And Jordan Howard is is apparently practicing with the first team as well. And and the Jordan Howard practicing with the first team is exactly the reason why I question why anybody wants anything to do with this running game. All season long, we've done nothing but bitch and moan about the usage of Miles Sanders, and who's by by far their best running back. 
Right. And now he goes down and people are like, everyone wants to use, yep. Everybody wants to use the other guys. And I don't, I don't understand that logic. Gainwell's probably the safest because I think he's going to keep that pass catching role. Maybe he'll find himself with seven or eight carries in there. But is Detroit, again, one of the worst run defenses in football, but there's no predictability as to who's going to get these, these touches. And when it comes to the red zone, prior to last week and the two weeks before that, Jalen Hurts had two rushing touchdowns in each game. <laughs> so even if they get down into the red zone, there's no saying that are the ones that are going to score. So now nah, I'm out. I've actually, I would honestly rather play Michael Carter. Michael, right. again, I don't, the Jets aren't expected to be, you know, very competitive in this game. Mike White, the quarterback, they're, they're double digit underdogs. In the, in Check the down city, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, nine targets last week for 67 yards. He also has three straight games now with double digit carries. He had two rushing touchdowns in, in the last three weeks. And I said this before, this is what I had hoped for Denver, right? I had hoped that Denver was going to start losing because they would stop using Melvin Gordon and start using Javante Williams more. The Jets are done. The Jets know that they're done. And now they're giving Michael Carter all of the opportunity because they need to know what they have in this kid. They have a draft. They're, they're preparing for next year's draft already. And they got to figure out, is Michael Carter part of the plans or not part of the plans? So at $4,900 in a negative game script, or technically it's a positive game script because they're going to be behind. Michael Carter, I think, is is a really strong value play this week at $4,900 on DraftKings in a full PPR format. Let's shift our focus to the wide receiver position. Good stuff there at running back where you mentioned Cooper Cup is significantly more expensive than everyone else, but there is a 16 and a half point spread we have to deal with there. So if you are not playing Cup, John, who are we looking at um, above 7K? I mean, obviously everyone's going to look at Jamar Chase and his connection with Joe Burrow, especially all those playing Joe Burrow. Mike Williams is expensive. You mentioned Josh Allen is the most expensive quarterback. Well, Stephon Diggs matches his price tag at 8,100 and gets a, a good matchup. Like who over 7K are you taking a look at? I mean, yeah, I, I said again earlier this week, I, I want to like live in this Jamar Chase, Devo Samuel, like AJ Brown. Like if I could start right. my lineup with those three guys this week, and figure out the value around them. Like, I think all three of those guys have opportunities to have monster performances this week. We know Chase, he is the target monster there with Cincinnati. He already has 754 yards receiving and six scores. He's on pace to break what Justin Jefferson did yep. last year. And I saw I saw a pretty funny tweet, or maybe not funny tweet. Funny is probably the wrong word, but it was a tweet regarding Justin Jefferson. It was like, you know, Jamar Chase was the better college receiver when those two played together. Chase skipped his the season last year because of COVID. And then he comes in here and it's like, nobody should have been surprised to see him on pace to break what everybody thought was an unbreakable rookie record by Jefferson last season. Chase has proven every bit. the, the And like I said, he's explosive. It, whether it's a downfield play where he scores a touchdown or like last week where he broke like six tackles on his way to an 80-yard score. <laughs> I mean, the dude is wildly talented. Him and Burrow have a crazy connection. Hard to think that the Jets are going to be able to stop that after they let like Kendrick Bourne blow by them last week with New England. So yeah, give me Chase. Give me Devo Samuel, who in a hurricane had 11 targets, 100 yards, and seven <laughs> catches for a touchdown last week. No Kittle. Ayuk is MIA on a milk box somewhere. This offense is run the football with Mitchell. And throw to Debo Samuel, and this is a good matchup against Chicago to do with that defense is not what it used to be at all. So 
for me, loving Debo Samuel. And I know you said above 7K, but A.J. Brown 69. No Julio Jones. I know the defense is going to be targeting A.J. Brown here in this matchup. But if the dude is healthy, he is wildly talented. I know you and I argued this uh, preseason. We had a little bet, Hopkins or Brown. I think we're both losing that bet right now. But uh, (laughs) the fact that he's had 18 targets the last two weeks, the fact that they joked about him being limited. I think he played like 80% of the snaps the other day. So, like... Not really limited there, AJ. As long as he's no longer eating your Chipotle there, Grande. Don't you dare. Don't go down that road, John. I think there is a tremendous potential in those three this week in that matchup. So that's where I'm going. If Eckler gets ruled out, I think Mike Williams is certainly going to be a guy that's going to be pretty. But he's 7,700. I do like the Diggs connection with Allen. It's it's a tough one because they are so expensive and the other receivers for Buffalo are so cheap. We'll talk Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. Guys are, are 5K and under base. Those are easy stacks that you see with Allen. You kind of maybe fade the Diggs play because he's so expensive. But, you know, that's where I'm looking. I'm, lo- I'm looking Samuel. I'm looking AJ Brown. I'm looking, what did I say there? Oh, Jamar Chase. I put him in my lineup already. So I was like, where'd he go? Jamar Chase is the other one for me. Heading to the mid-tier, John. Names like Cortland Sutton stand out against Washington. Keenan Allen against your Patriots. Chris Godwin sans antonio brown what are your thoughts here in this mid-tier range i think those three names stand out to me no interest in claypool considering his connection with ben roethlisberger has gone down the toilet tyler lockett just where is he with geno smith (laughs) nobody knows nobody can find him i don't know if it's because he's short or if geno smith just doesn't throw in the football it's one or the other like the mid-tier is really just corlin sutton chris godwin and Keenan Allen, right? Uh, Calvin Ridley, too. Don't forget about old Calvin Ridley. I was waiting for you to say his name. I mean... The volume. It's been volume, volume, volume. Calvin Ridley last week was 33% owned in in the majority of of large field contests because he was $6,600. He scored a touchdown. He only had four for 26. But at Miami, you know, the Miami secondary is their strong suit, right? Like, that's the one thing that they're... You can look and point to some talent. I think he had, what, Xavier Howard on him or something like that, right? So uh, I, I think that you can easily go back to the well with him being at home. Target volume you mentioned, 10, 11, 13, 10 the last four weeks. So uh, at 6,600, you almost have to kind of bite and go back there. Well, we, we don't like Tyler Lockett at 61, and we're really struggling to trust Geno Smith. It is Jacksonville, and DK is only 68. So, I mean, yeah. you know, there, there, there's some temptation in GPPs to certainly want to consider that route. We know Deontay Johnson, whenever he's healthy, another guy that is just a ridiculous target monster there. 10, 12, 13, only two against Denver. I think he got maybe hurt in that game, but he had 72, 72 yards and a touchdown of the two catches there. And then 13 targets again for 71 yards the week before that. So, like, 6,700 Deontay Johnson, PPR format, all about it. Keenan Allen, if there's no Austin Eckler, that guy's going to get 35 targets, I think, because they need those intermediate routes, and he's going to fit that bill. Yeah, listen, Jerry Judy may not play. You mentioned Corton Sutton. Judy was held out of practice today. They said he had some ankle soreness. There's no reason to push him back if he's not ready. And if he is ready and he's dealing with minor ankle soreness, you can't expect him to go out there and play 80% of the snaps. So Sutton at 6,400, I think, is is still a really good spot here. Washington secondary, absolute trash. And you mentioned Godwin. Lattimore's going to be teamed up on Evans. So Godwin, 11 targets last week, 111 in a score. This is this is why I don't think you need to spend up at running back because right. these wide receivers, like you want to play four of them. But right. you want to, and this is the tier you want to live in. That that from like Chase 
down to you know Godwin basically you want to live in. Well, if there is a tier below, and I think it's I think there are some interesting names. Marvin Jones, if you are going with the Jaguar stack, yep. stands out fifty nine hundred. All three of his touchdowns have been on in games where he's been targeted nine or more. I think that's interesting considering the bye week. Prior to the bye week, he built a little rapport there with Trevor Lawrence. Devonta Smith is obviously the most heavily targeted receiver in Philly. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. Emmanuel Sanders, you already mentioned. 5,400 goes up against Miami. We're going to see Xavier Howard matched up with Stephon Diggs most of the night. We have Michael Pittman, you mentioned earlier. So I think there's some very interesting names in this in this mid-tier. But John, let's talk value, right? T. Higgins, too cheap. Cole Beasley, too cheap. Correct. Allen Robinson, I'm just kidding. I'm not going there. Um, One of these games, Allen Robinson's <laughs> going to happen, but... Can't can't go there. Our 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 co-owned Lavisca Chenault, our co-rostered Lavisca Chenault in the RotoWire Championship League, too cheap, forty-seven hundred for the for the volume that he saw last week. Maybe something figured out by Urban you, Meyer. You want to talk volume, Robbie Anderson? Nine, eleven, seven, eleven <laughs> targets the last four weeks. His his this is the most impressive streak I've ever seen for for nothing. More Tom. impressive, his streak of nothingness or the headshot they use on Pivot DraftKings? I will split down the middle. I'll I'll hedge my bets and just say both are equally as impressive. Who below those guys are we talking? Like, I mean... I got, So know. I got maybe, maybe some dart throws here. I'm sure you saw the news today. Deshaun Jackson and the, the Rams have agreed to part ways. They're looking yeah. for a trade for him. Van Jefferson is $3,900. He had... 14 fancy points against Detroit last week. Seven targets, four catches, 43 yards, and a score. This is a guy that has routinely lived under the 4K range and has popped a couple times. He's not the number one or number two, and sometimes he's not even the number three target. <laughs> but, like, the the fact that he does see seven, four, four, six, six targets, right. you know, rattling off the last five games, means, like, Stafford looks to him, and if there's a matchup where he could break it, it is would be Houston, right? So... If you if you want to excuse me dark throw potentially Van Jefferson is somebody you can go to. I laugh at the Armand St. Brown price drop here. I understand that he had zero targets and zero receptions on his birthday against the Rams, but he played over sixty percent of the snaps. And this was a matchup where he had Jalen Ramsey on him. So you take away Jalen Ramsey, he still played over sixty percent of the snaps. You add in Philadelphia, it feels like a bounce back potentially for Armand St. Brown. Traycon Smith is kind of interesting, activated off the IR last week, but he didn't get a ton going initially. Saw three targets there, but you're looking at a receiving group that is with New Orleans that is suspect. And Traquan played fifty-five percent of the snaps right out of the gate. So he's a deep threat. We know Jameis likes to just sit back and crank it and throw it. Callaway and Traquan Smith kind of interesting there against a bad Tampa Bay. Secondary. These are dark throw guys. You're going to probably see them in the dartboard. And then my last guy I'm throwing out here, I talked about some cheapies maybe to, to pair up with Trevor Lawrence. You mentioned already LaVisca Chenault and, and Marvin Jones as his top two targets there. But since the injury to DJ Chark, you've seen Jamal Agnew step in and actually move into the slot receiver role. They kicked out LaVisca Chenault to the outside role that Chark was playing. Jamal Agnew, 63 and 59% of the snaps the last two weeks. He's got 11 catches on 13 over those two games here. And this is a guy that is priced at $3,700. You're talking about a guy, 3,700, that's giving you almost 13 and 11 fantasy points the last two weeks. He's also a special teamer, James. He returns their kicks. So you may get lucky starting him at 3,700 as a receiver. 
He might return a kick and get six points for you that way too here against Seattle. Urban Meyer offenses, man. You just got to love them. Let's go on over to tight end. You mentioned Kyle Pitts is the top dog this week, and he has been the top dog for the last two weeks. Uh, week five, nine of 10 for 119 in the score, and then week seven last week against Miami, seven of eight for 163 in that insane one-handed catch down the sideline. So the um, panic button that people were pushing out on Kyle right. Pitts can safely be stored back in the cabinet. The eight, 10, and nine targets in the last three weeks. So Ryan's looking his way. I think Matt Ryan realized like, huh, if we're going to win games, maybe throw to the Kyle Pitts dude that we took fourth overall. Right. <laughs> we don't have Julio anymore. Russell Gage surprisingly isn't the answer. We're using Corderell Patterson of all people. Maybe Kyle Pitts should be getting some targets. So to to the $6,300 seems like a lot, obviously, because he's the top price tight end. And it was always sort of a narrative that like, unless it's Kelsey, you're not, you don't really want to spend up for a tight end like this, but this is a, a different animal. He's, he's a, receiver. a receiver. Yeah. He's the number one receiver on the team. He's more yards and targets in, in, in receptions lately than, than Calvin Ridley. So like use them. You, you can definitely pay up this week for Kyle Pitts. Agreed. 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 Um, a pretty good matchup this week is TJ Hawkinson, who is not with an injury designation for I the know, first time in a couple in a weeks. Dealing with the, the, they've really dealt with the knee pretty well, keeping him out of practice, keeping him limited, and a really good matchup against Philly. What are your thoughts on Hawkinson here going up against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles? I can't bring myself to want to play Jared Goff this week at 5,200, but I like <laughs> I like I like the guys he's kind of thrown the football to a little right. bit here with Swift. And yeah, Hawkinson, I mean, you know, 20 targets the last two weeks, 14 catches. You, you want touchdowns, and the choice not scoring a lot of touchdowns, but this could be a week that they actually maybe put some points on the board. So the one thing we always knew with Hawkinson, it should have been the way in for a while. He was giving you that, you know, open the game, open the season gangbusters. 20 targets, 16 catches, two scores. You're like, yep. Hawkinson's going to be top four tight end this week, this season. Then Baltimore came, they kind of shut him down. So-so numbers against Chicago and Minnesota, but now he's bouncing back a little bit more double-digit fantasy production. So again, I, I'm fine with it. I think it's a great matchup for him to succeed. Uh, and I don't think, you know, again, I don't feel like many people want to spend up at tight end this week because they're we're looking in the mid-tiers of the other spots and tight end is just a way to spend down to fit those guys in. So yeah, Hawkinson, I think, is, is for game sacks or a really a really solid play this week. So if you're not spinning up at tight end, which I don't think most people are, let's be honest, like you just said, tight end is a good spot to save some dollars. Where are we going? I think a lot of ownership is going to go to the other tight end of this game, and that's Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I can see Goddard for sure at 47 being someone that a lot of people take a look at. Again, we don't, we know Detroit's defense is bad. He had five targets out of the gate in his first game back from COVID. There's no Ertz there anymore. They're not throwing to any of the other receivers outside of Devonta Smith. It's Dallas Goddard, and he's actually a great red zone guy. So I'm with you there. I think Goddard at 47 is going to be a pretty popular option. I can see if Gronk is activated, people being looking to go in that direction because we do think Evans is going to have his hands full and we need that other target. And I mean, face it, you look at what Gronk did in the three weeks before he broke his ribs. I mean, he was a monster. The dude was on pace to look like the old Rob Gronkowski. Everybody thought he was potentially looking like his old self, and especially in the red zone. So even if he's limited in his first game back, certainly a question a question there. I think if they get in the red zone, Gronk's going to be out there and potentially for touchdowns. 
Uh, and then you have Hunter Henry in, in what is the ultimate revenge game. It's, we don't know if John o. Smith's even going to be available in this game. He's kind of been limited at practice. We have four straight weeks of touchdowns out of Hunter Henry. So there's definitely the possibility of them in that 4K range. Below that, Ricky Seals-Jones is still playing a billion snaps. He's out there for like literally 100% of the offensive snaps for Washington. Logan Thomas still out. Denver defense isn't exactly uh, what it used to be. So Ricky Seals-Jones, I think, is fine. I think Pat Fryermuth is kind of an yep. interesting one here. Yeah, you brought yep, you brought got ruled out today, so you can expect to see him see increased snap count, increased workload, and before the bye against Seattle, seven targets, seven catches, fifty-eight yards. So thirty-six hundred dollars, Pat Pat Fryermuth, I think is is going to be a pretty popular. My one punt this week is going to be Dan Arnold. We talk about it all the time. He's twenty-eight. <laughs> it's 28. I'm going to get you a Dan Arnold jersey. Yeah, he's twenty. He's $2,800, and that's what I said. Like, you can do this really Jaguar stack where you go Trevor Lawrence, Jamal Agnew, Dan Arnold, oh and, spend, Lord. And, and spend, like, no money on those three guys and just pay up everywhere else. But, I mean, Arnold, the two games since he was, like, with the team, really, 73 and 62%. He has 13 targets over that stretch. They're, you're looking for a punt uh, value tight end. I mean, this is definitely somebody that you I think you can take a peek. After that, there's not really much else on my radar. Let's finish it off here at throw me a couple defenses I want to play. Give me give me a top give me a top tier defense, a mid tier defense, and a value tier defense that you're on your radar this week. Yeah, I mean Rams obviously, right? Right. Number I mean, one, yeah, number one play of the week. It's just you, you, it's, you it's just like fifty one hundred is disgusting. Yeah, yeah you, you hate spending that kind of money on a defense, but I mean we've Davis Mills shown, Davis Mills still under center. It's, yeah, like we've shown if you spend up that money on Tampa Bay last week, you got twenty one fantasy points on it. Right? <laughs> like you, you just you, you find the matchup. Davis Mills is still the quarterback, like you said. There's the Rams fifty one for sure. Bengals I think will probably be chalk. It was a Mike White again. I keep forgetting his name. Mike mm-hmm. White's the quarterback. Bengals defense isn't great, but I mean, they had five sacks against last week against Baltimore. This is a, a spot where I think a lot of people are expecting them probably to get turnovers and sacks. The Jets is, are, are just trash. Below them, again, we don't think much of the 49ers defense, but Fields has been awful. You know, turn, very turnover prone, gets sacked a lot. So, I mean, this could be a time for the 49ers defense maybe to step up into it. They're, they're certainly, I think, in play. If we're looking for a value defense, I've kind of had a little bit of a struggle with this one. If you aren't a believer in Detroit, maybe the Eagles kind of stick there and, and, and you can see them. The Eagles are only $2,700. I mean, the Patriots last year went into San Diego or went into Los Angeles and, and actually just destroyed the Chargers. It's Herbert's like worst game of the year. They're coming off with some turnovers and, and getting after the quarterback. They're $2,800. They're underdogs on the road, so it's not really like my favorite spot to go, but Maybe you could potentially see that them pulling that one off, but there's not a ton of like true value that I'm looking at this. I've seen, I've actually seen some strategies where you just full on punt a defense, but you'll look at a team like the Washington football team, right? They're $2,100. The last three weeks, they've been 23, 2000 and 2200. They give you seven points, eight points, five points. So yep. like, are they great? No, no, but we know what their front seven's capable of. Teddy Bridgewater isn't, we don't know how many, we don't really expecting a lot of points scored by Denver. If they turn the ball over at all here, or you get a special teams touchdown or something like Washington is, is easily killing their, their value at, t- at 2,100. Right. Now, are you going to win a GPP with them at 2,100 and they give you seven fantasy points? Like probably not, but I mean, I'm okay of any of the punt defenses. Like that's probably where I would consider. Well, I'll throw one more out there for you. 
you hate we hate the San Francisco Chicago game. How about the Bears? Uh, they get to the, they get to the quarterback a lot, and they didn't against the, the Bucks, but Tom Brady was Tom Brady. They sure. get to the quarterback a lot, could force a couple turnovers. Do we know if Khalil um, Mack's playing in this one? I know you think he sat out the last. Khalil Mack is already rolled out. So obviously a hit to their defense, but Robert Quinn and Elijah Wilkinson are returning for their defense. So all right, I know. like that. Yeah, all right. That's not bad. 2,700. They're home. Again, Garoppolo is nothing great. It's just they have two players. They have Eli Mitchell and they have Dio Samuel. So, yeah, not bad. Not John, bad. any final thoughts? Well, you and you and Howard usually build lineups during the during the show, right? Did you happen to build one? Or? I, I do. <laughs> Excuse me. I do is have. It, if it's a Jaguars one, let's just end it here. Like, if you have Agnew and Dan Arnold, like, don't even, don't even let that one out i i want to hear all right, it all right well, i want to like, hear it i do have them both but it's not with it's not with with lawrence <laughs> no it's not with it's not with trevor lawrence okay so you can you can feel feel safe i think knowing that one this one is actually carson wentz is my i have swift and mixon as my two running backs i use debo samuel Michael Pittman at 5,300, and Jamal Agnew as wide receivers. I did use Dan Arnold at 2,800. Jamar Chase at 75 as the flex, and the Bengals' defense is what my defense was. So Wentz, Swift, Mixon, Samuel Pittman, Agnew, Arnold, Chase, Bengals. Well, I'm going to ruin the fun. I didn't build a lineup. Is it, is it, you, you knew what we do. And you, I did. I just like, wasn't – You didn't I, do it. I was just, I was just like – well, I, I had built like a partial, so I had like a Philly stack with Swift and then I'm, I'm a correlation guy. So I correlated Michael Carter and Jamar Chase. Sure. Um, and that's as far as I've gotten at that point, Michael Pittman, 53, I have 5,300 for two spots. If I went AJ Brown, I then have 3,700. What's Agnew's price, John? 37. Well, there you go. There's my lineup. So here's my line for you. Jalen Hurts, Swift. Michael Carter, Chase, Pittman, Brown, Goddard, Agnew, Bears. I like it. I like it. Good. It's a good line there. It's okay. It's a. It was a. It was partially built lineup, and then the correlation between Pittman, Brown, and then Agnew as the punt, which is totally because of you. So. And when he scores 11 fantasy points at 3,700. I will. I'm going to put this uh, potentially in the milli. Actually, I'm I'm in the play action. So I'll just throw that in the $3 tournament uh, and see how it does. But that'll wrap it up. Uh, Big shout out to John and Pemba for having me on. Shout out to Howard Bender, who's on his fishing trip. A hot dog is a sandwich. And uh, Howard will be back for week nine and we'll catch you guys later.